we talked about Jesus and his death in graphic detail. Uh, it was so graphic, Kevin. Um, YouTube wouldn't let me post it. They wouldn't let me put it put it up. So yeah. I actually had to post the message on my Instagram, the Cities of Red uh, Refuge Instagram page. Let me play it, and um, of course the Cities of Refuge podcast. But the video was more. Um, compelling because it had we talked about it and then we got to see uh what the roman soldiers did to our savior so um if no one has seen that definitely go check it out um as it'll it'll be the um really the interlude or the prelude to what we're talking about tonight in the blood part two um and if anybody has ever wondered why Jesus had to die for us, uh, we're going to dive into that tonight, why he died for us to begin with. So uh, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just come to you tonight thanking you so much for another opportunity to come together with our brothers in Christ. Father, we just thank you for the opportunity to share your good news and lift you up that all men may be drawn to you. Father, we ask that you pour out your spirit tonight. We ask, Father, that you pour out your power, that you pour out your anointing, that every word that we read from your word, O oh God, be anointed, be sanctioned, be blessed, that it edify us challenge us, convict us, and change us to the point, oh God, that not only do we seek after you, but we share your good news so that others within our circle that you blessed us to inhabit, Father, would also seek after you. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen, bro. All right. So, fellas, um, you might see me uh, hurrying tonight because um, I do want to get this word to you all and try not to take up uh, a large chunk of the evening. Um, but we will be in a lot of scripture tonight. So if you have your Bible, um, definitely follow along with me. Uh, if not, I'll make sure you have the um, the chapter and the verse. Um, as, as well as the book in which we're reading from. So you can take that down and go back to it at, at your leisure. But um, let's look at something really quick. Turn with me to Genesis 2, 16 through 17. It says, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. So if anyone ever wondered who created death, it wasn't the devil. It was God. He didn't intend on Adam dying because he told him 
He merely told him what the consequences of eating from the tree of knowledge and good and evil would be. And as much as it pained God to do it and follow through, he cannot lie. Whenever he speaks, the word must come true. So let's jump down really quick here, if you're following along in your Bible, to Genesis 3, 6 through 7. We actually talked about this passage of Scripture extensively um, in the Steps of Temptation message a few weeks ago. It reads, When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Now, if you guys would make a mental note of uh, verse 7, as we will revisit it later in the message. Um, but for right now, let's jump down to Genesis 3, 17 through 19. To Adam, God said, because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it. All the days of your life, it will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and dust you will return. If you had never heard this story before, uh, this is called the fall of man. When Adam rebelled against the will of God through his disobedience, also known as sin, the spirit of rebellion, or sin, entered into the genetic makeup and hit the bloodline and seed of Adam, who is our forefather, ultimately passing to every generation of mankind. We will all die a physical death through this one act of rebellion from Adam. In fact, Psalms 51 and 5 says, surely, I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. In other words, after Adam and Eve fell, we were all born with the genes of death. And the only way to fix that thing is we needed someone that had pure, untainted blood. And if your blood is completely messed up, and my blood is completely messed up, we need a blood transfusion, and it can't just be from anyone. I put it to you like this. If you have disease and I have disease, and I need blood that can help me, 
I better not take your blood. In other words, we have all sinned. We need somebody who doesn't have blood like ours and came from a pure source of blood that has no contamination of the sinful bloodline Adam passed to us all. When people ask, why should I follow Jesus? What makes him different than Muhammad and the rest? This is why you follow Jesus, because he has a blood that has not been contaminated by sin. Why not, you may ask. Let's look at Matthew 1, 18 through 21, because Matthew tells us. In verse 18, he says, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had, but after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. His birth was important to his death. If he was born of a man, he could never die for us. That's why I love Buddha. I appreciate Muhammad. But they were all born of men, which means their blood cannot save us. Let's do a little bit more investigation about the blood and see what the Bible says concerning it. Turn with me to Leviticus. We're getting deep into the Old Testament tonight. Leviticus 14, 12 through 20 is what we're going to read. It says, Then the priest is to take one of the male lambs and offer it as a guilt offering. Along with the log of oil, he shall wave them before the Lord as a wave offering. He is to slaughter the lamb in the sanctuary area where the sin offering and the burnt offering are slaughtered. Like the sin offering, the guilt offering belongs to the priest. It is most holy. The priest is to take some of the blood of the guilt offering and put it on the lobe of the right ear of the one to be cleansed, on the thumb of their right hand, and on the big toe of their right foot. He's being very specific here. Verse 15 continues, the priest shall then take some of the log of oil, pour it in the palm of his own left hand, 
dip his right forefinger into the oil in his palm and with his finger sprinkle some of it before the Lord seven times. The priest is to put some of the oil remaining in his palm on the lobe of the right ear of the one to be cleansed, on the thumb of their right hand, and on the big toe of their right foot, on top of the blood of the guilt offering. The rest of the oil in his palm the priest shall put on the head of the one to be cleansed and make atonement for them before the Lord. Then the priest is to sacrifice the sin offering and make atonement for the one to be cleansed from their uncleanness. After that, the priest shall slaughter the burnt offering and offer it on the altar together with the grain offering and make atonement for them and they will be clean. If you read the rest of the book of Leviticus, you will find God telling the people that when they make this sacrifice, as we just went through in um, great detail that it covers their sins for one whole year. But when that year is up, they have to come back and do this ritual and religious ceremony to atone for their sin all over again, year over year. And the reality is this, men, because if your blood is contaminated, then your blood can't save you. So we had to borrow the blood of an animal which didn't sin to cover us temporarily. Let's go deeper. Let's jump over to Leviticus 17.11. It says, for the life of a creature is in the blood. And I have given it to you to make atonement for yourselves on the altar. It is the blood that makes atonement for one's life. Therefore, I say to the Israelites, none of you may eat blood, nor may any foreigner residing among you eat blood. Any Israelite or any foreigner residing among you who hunts any animal or bird that may be eaten must drain out the blood and cover it with the earth. So for a little context here, men, the book of Leviticus contains uh, regulations for worship and regulations for religious ceremonies in ancient Israel. And for the priests who were responsible for for carrying out these instructions. And God is speaking here, giving these instructions to uh, the Levites, who were the priests in the Old Testament. And let's look at what he is saying here, men. He is actually telling us why he made and created animals. God says, look, I made animals 
just in case you needed some material for atonement. Look at the verse. It says, the life of the creature is where? In the blood. And I gave it to you to what? Make atonement. In other words, God says, I prepared this whole process just in case you messed up and disobeyed my word. You could use an animal just for a while. Don't believe me? Remember when we were in Genesis 3, verse 7 a little bit ago? I told you to make a mental note because we would come back to it. When Adam and Eve tried to cover themselves in fig leaves, remember they covered themselves in fig leaves. What did God do? Because he had the backup plan already worked out. Check out Genesis 3 and 21. It tells us what God did. It says, unto Adam also and to his wife, did the Lord God make coats of skin and clothe them? All right, so I, I you know, I hope everybody stand with me here because I'm going somewhere. So let's check this out. There weren't just animal skins laying around the Garden of Eden. All right. The Bible doesn't tell us how. But God had to kill an animal to get those skins off of it. Which I would submit to you was the first animal sacrifice to take the skin off of that animal and cover Adam and Eve. There was some kind of innocent shedding of blood of an animal so he could give clothes to Adam and Eve to cover them in that blood. If anyone ever wondered why the children of Israel made blood sacrifices, they killed animals and had to take them before the priest and do all of those ritual ceremonies. This is what we just read from, from Genesis to Leviticus in the scriptures that I read to you encapsulates why the fall of man to the animal sacrifices, which led to the temporary atonement for that year. They had to follow the law God gave to atone for their sins, which passed down from Adam. Now this animal sacrifice couldn't keep them safe. Because every year, they had to bring more animals to atone for their sins. Leviticus 17 and 14 goes on to say, Because the life of every creature is its blood, that is why I have said to the Israelites, You must not eat the blood of any creature, because the life of every creature is its blood. Anyone who eats it must be cut off. In other words, 
you and I should not eat blood. I think we know that. But can I use the term life and death is in the blood? That is what God is truly saying here. If I can go a little bit deeper, every disease is in the blood, in the body is in the blood. Every disease, think about it. Diabetes, having a stroke, a heart attack, all concerning the blood. So if you eat blood, you are eating the pure disease that the animal or a person had. On the other hand, the blood cleanses the muscles and takes all of the contamination out of the muscles. That's why we can eat the muscles of the meat, but not the blood. And God knew this. This is why he was instructing us all throughout the Bible. God says, when you kill an animal, hold it upside down and let the blood drain out. If you guys think that's interesting, let's look at some other interesting things about the blood. And if you're taking notes, I would encourage you to write it down and, and study them further and not just take my word from it. Number one, all life is in the blood. Number two, all healing is in the blood. If you get a cut on your body, the blood has to rush to that wound to try to heal it. Um, the other day I was grating a block of cheese from a, uh, on a cheese grater and I grated the tip of my thumb and that was painful, man. But what happened is blood start rushing to that wound to try and heal it. And, and it is in it tried to start blocking up that thing, that cut, and it was working. And why? Because the blood has everything in it. Your life is in your blood. Number three, all nutrients are in the blood. Number four, all protection is in the blood. Doctors will tell you that your immune system is the most important system in your body, and it's in the blood. And if your immune system falls, you can get a head cold that becomes pneumonia, and essentially the head cold could kill you if your immune system is weak enough. When you study the immune system, you know what it is. It's your red blood cells and your white blood cells that is fighting bacteria to keep your immunity strengthened. Where are these red and white blood cells? They are in the blood. Somebody say the blood. The blood. The blood. The blood is so important that it protects you from disease every time you get a virus within your immune system. 
Immunity means that the blood takes all that it has and fights for your survival. As a matter of fact, cancer is a blood disease because something happened within the blood. And this is why it's so tough to fight cancer because cancer is not just a disease of an organ, it's a disease of the blood. Blood is supposed to be the fighter, protector of our very being. And that's why when our brothers and sisters take chemotherapy, it, it makes them weak because that chemo is attacking the blood, which is the very thing that is supposed to protect us. More so, this is why our brothers and sisters who have leukemia, for example, a specific type of cancer, have to go through blood transfusions. They have to take out their own blood and put in new, fresh blood from a gracious organ donor who doesn't have leukemia. Why? Because the blood is what keeps the body safe. Number five, all protection is in the blood. Number six, all sustenance is in the blood. The blood sustains us. And that's what Good Friday is all about, man. All of this, this whole list that I've shared with you, number one through six so far, you and I are only being sustained because when Jesus died for us and we accepted him into our lives, we simply got a blood transfusion. Our blood was contaminated and it couldn't protect us from death. As a matter of fact, the blood in Adam was so strong that 7,000 years later, it is still killing people. God had a bloodline problem. So we had to make arrangements to save us by sending his son. Number seven, all death is only possible in the blood. You cannot kill a person unless you get to their blood. If I want to poison someone, the poison has to get into the bloodstream to kill. As a matter of fact, let me give you how important the blood is. If the previous six examples did not paint the, the best picture, all the organs in your body serve the blood. Your kidneys, for example, and your heart and your liver and your pancreas, they all live for the blood. And if something goes wrong with your liver, oh my, you better start praying fast because the job of the liver is to purify the blood. If your pancreas gets in trouble and the bile becomes imbalanced, then the poisons in your body, instead of going to the bile and being purified, it goes into the blood and you become self-poisoning. The heart, think about the heart. It, it exists just for the blood. 
just to pump the blood all around the body and to take nutrients and protection and healing and sustenance. That heart, our heart, it only lives for the blood. As long as the blood is flowing, you have life. That's why doctors can transplant your liver, your kidney, your heart, all of your organs, because once they are serving the blood, you are alive. So if I want to kill something, I have to get to the blood. The blood is so powerful. Again, I lay at your feet that life and death is in the blood. If you have pure blood, then that blood is only filled with nutrients, vitamins, strength, and life. But our blood ain't pure, man. It's filled with poisons and disease and sickness. And God says anything that came from the earth, don't drink that blood. Don't eat that blood. Don't, don't trust that blood. But if you can find a blood that is healthy and pure and holy, you found the right blood type. I tell you, I, I love the Muslim. I love my mu Muslim brothers. They are my brothers. I love the, the Buddhists. Uh, bless them all. I love the Hindus. But none of their leaders have blood good enough, pure enough, that they could die for their followers, that they may be saved. Sometimes we lose love for Jesus until we get a reminder like this. Had it not been for the shedding of his innocent blood, we'd still be taking lambs up to the high priest year over year over year to atone for our sins. Could you imagine this? As you imagine it, this is a good place to just thank him. This is a good place to say, thank you, Father, for shedding your innocent blood. And I lay at your feet. This is why it's so important for our concern of our brothers and sisters, our family, our loved ones, strangers. No matter how good a man or a woman is, we were all born of a woman. Don't trust your life with blood like ours. I respect all the religions in the world, but let me tell you something. When it comes down to my sin, when it comes down to their sin, we need a savior who was not born of a man with blood like mine. I need a redeemer who was born, as Matthew declared, through the Holy Spirit 
with pure blood that could redeem us. In closing, go with, me to, go with me to 1 Corinthians 15, 21 through 23. It says, For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in turn, Christ, the first fruits then, when he comes, those who belong to him. Therefore, here is what I would like in Christ in his death and or shedding of his innocent blood is like. Picture this. You standing in downtown in your local municipality's courtroom. You committed a crime. You committed an unjust act. And the judge says to you, Kevin, Tim, Brandon, you are guilty and you know it. And we all confess. We say, yes, judge, we're guilty. And the judge says, we will have your sentencing in the morning. Be back here at nine o'clock. And so we all show back up at nine o'clock. We're on time. We're standing in the courtroom and our friends, our family, our loved ones, they're watching on, trying to see what our sentencing will be. And so the bailiff says, all rise. And the judge enters the room and he's ready to send down the penalty. And we know it's over. We know we committed the crime. And the judge says, I'm going to read the verdict now. You will spend the rest of your life in eternal damnation, never to be released. You impose this on yourself by disobedience. You will go to a place of burning fire. You will never come out, and the worms will never die that eat your flesh. And before the judge was finished, someone walked through the side door and began to walk towards the, the judge's table. And the judge says, who are you? And the person just smiled and said, I am he. What does this have to do with you? The judge asks. And he says, I'm going to take their sentence. The verdict that you just read to send them to eternal damnation, to prison, to hell, 
let them go. And the judge becomes angry and says, what are you talking about? They sinned. They, they rebelled. They messed up your law. And he responds. Jesus responds and says, I know. I created the law. I created them. I created you. I will not violate my law. So let me read the law to you, judge, because you seem to have forgotten the law. And he said to the judge, the law says if any man sins, he must surely die. So all you need is a man and you need someone to die. Here I am. I have taken their place to die. Let them go. That's what salvation is. Christ stood in the gap by dying for us so that we might have life. It's a free gift. But if, if, if you've ever given a gift to someone who's rejected it, then you know that just because it's a gift that you present does not mean the recipient will always take it. One day, 2,000 years ago, Jesus, he sat before his disciples on the same night he was betrayed, and he partook in what we call the Last Supper. Um, Luke twenty-two seventeen through 20 says this, and I'm almost finished, guys. It says, after taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup saying, this cup, is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. This is the first time in history God went from saying, don't drink blood in Leviticus to saying, okay, you can drink mine. But more importantly, this supper that happened on the Passover 2000 years ago, was symbolic to the generations that were to come, that his body that was bloodied and bludgeoned for our sins was not to be a religion like it was with sanctimonious religious sacraments and um, ceremonies and rituals, but this new covenant represented to others as the opportunity for reconciliation. He said, this is my body that would be what? 
broken. And it was, man. We saw that a couple of weeks ago. He went on to say that this is my blood that comes, that pours out of my body. And we saw that also. But he said, this is my new contract. What you all did before I, I died for you, you're not going to have to do it anymore. This new contract is not to kill you. You see, there was a contract out on all of us. And Satan stood in that courtroom as the accuser and was telling me, God, you got to send them down to me because you have to keep your word. But with this new contract he made, he came that we might have life. What can wash away our sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. His blood covers our sins. His blood makes us whole. His blood brings us into salvation. His blood gives us eternal life. Many of us in this meeting, we've accepted Christ as our Lord and Savior. But don't rest on the fact that because your father is a good man, he will make heaven. Or your sister is a giving and selfless woman, so she will make heaven. Let's present this message and others like it, the message of the blood, to our friends and to our family. So at the very least, they have the option to accept or deny the free gift of salvation Christ has offered to us all. Once we embody the willingness to plant that seed of salvation, we'll continue to pray for their souls and then turn it over to God and allow him to do the rest. Amen. Easter is two Sundays away from today. I love the fact that we are going after him, seeking his face. I know we all accepted that challenge last week. We're all working on our relationship with Christ. But I pray that we are more concerned about the salvation of others. There are so many lost souls, man. Souls that don't even know their blood is contaminated. People who truly believe that because they do the right thing, they will make heaven. I thank God every day that you men have accepted the call to join me in the mission to lift up the name of Christ and draw all men to him. Let's pray. Father, we just come to you now. We come to you broken. We come to you humbly. We come to you desperate. 
Your word is alive, is so relevant and true. Sometimes, Father, if we could just shake people into understanding the truth of your word and that they would get it, it would be so awesome. But, Father, your shaking is what we need now more than ever through the Holy Spirit. That you impart in us a spirit that goes into all of the world to share your good news about the blood that you shed for us. It was a gift. It was a gift, Father, that some turn away from. I ask, Father, tonight that you anoint every man under the sound of my voice to accept this call, to begin to go out into all of the world and spread the good news to take up their cross, their burden, their life, O oh God, and place it into your hands and say, O oh Father, I was a fisher. I was a, a, a contractor. I was a, an IT technician. I was in the IT business, but now I'm following after you. And let's go win souls of men. Father, I've delivered your word to your people. Stir up our spirits. And do what only you can do. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen, brother. Amen. All right. Well, fellas, um, I know that was a little longer than usual, um, but I wanted to make sure we got all of uh, the blood part two out um, and we'll connect it here with the first part. And I just want to open it up. Um, I, we talked about quite a bit, a lot of scripture, open it up for any uh, discussion to add to the word tonight, um, any praise reports, uh, testimonies, or prayer requests tonight um, as, um, as we come together this evening. So I'll turn it over to anybody that has anything else to add tonight. Hey, Brandon, this is Tim. Hey, I'd I would ask you, um, keep me in prayer here. This coming weekend, we'll be doing uh, a celebration of life for Jerry. Um, and I have been invited and asked to, on behalf of the family, to share some memories um, about Jerry's, about uh, Jerry's life. And I do feel that God has, you know, put, 
put this on my heart to do. I do feel that God has given me um, many wonderful things to say uh, about Jerry, uh, giving testimony to the to his, you know, to his faith in Christ. And so, you know, I would just ask that you keep me in your prayer and that, that I, you know, that I'm a mouthpiece for the Lord in that time, that, um, you know, that this is a, just a wonderful opportunity to not only remember Jerry for when he's here, but actually to hopefully, um, ha- hopefully people will be able to see Christ uh, through Jerry the same way that uh, God has shown me. So with that said, I don't, I don't want to get in the way. I want to be, you know, a vessel. And, um, you know, I also want to have time to prepare appropriately among all the other commitments that I have. So, you know, just pray that I would have that, uh, that, that margin. And the Lord would, would help me with that. Amen. I'll definitely be standing with you on that, Tim. Um, you know, and, it's, it's gracious of you to accept that that call. Um, I know that's your father-in-law who, um, or as my mother-in-law calls, uh, calls me son-in-love, or that's your father-in-love, and you love him, and it, you're strong to begin with to be able to do something like that. Um, we know you love him and be able to celebrate his life in that. Um, God will have his hand on you. Uh, Tim, you're very well spoken. And I'll, I'm just, um, I'm going to go out and, and decree and declare that there will be friends and family of Jerry who come into salvation based on the things that you share this weekend. Um, because God says that when he is lifted up, he will draw men to him so i i stand with you on that i believe in that with you and that's where the glory of god will be revealed so um, we'll be praying for you tonight and i'll be praying with you throughout the week um, that god gives you strength in this thank you Brandon. Any other prayer requests, testimonies, um, praise reports tonight? Has anyone heard from Lester if he, how his job, his job performance or review went? Yes, we, we did. Um, Lester and I spoke, um, I think it was Friday and um, we did find out that uh, they're, they're going in another direction on that role. Um, We did find out that there's another opportunity that's open and Lester and I, we had an opportunity to pray together and really thank God together that um, God doesn't open a door that we shouldn't be going through. And um, it was it was tough um, to hear that news, Kevin, but 
uh, as Lester and I encouraged each other in, in the Lord, we recognize that sometimes a closed door um, is, is a better blessing than an open. Um, and that's how we pray. We pray, Father, that, you know, don't open this door for us, uh, even though I want it, if it's not something that you foresee, um, you know, bringing the best out of me or it being the best for me even. And so um, it was still difficult because obviously sometimes what we want um, takes precedence over what God has in store for us. So there's still disappointment in all of that. But, um, you know, make a long story short, we did okay. get that report last week. So okay. Okay. thanks Thank for, for asking. Um, I just asked for prayers for my uh, friend named Ahmad Douglas, um, who's right now going through some marital struggles with his wife of, um, I'm not sure how many years, but I want to say at least 10 or more. But um, they are working on, they're putting their asking God for help, and they're looking for guidance and prayers to help them overcome mm -hmm. the struggles. Amen. I saw Ahmad get on the um, uh, the chat, and so um, it was good to hear from him. And we'll be lifting him up tonight. Are they up in Iowa with Iowa with you? Yes. Kevin? Okay. Yes. Awesome. All right. Well, we'll be lifting them up in prayer. Put them on our prayer wall here at home for this week, and just be doing that spiritual battle and warfare because that's all that is you know enemy trying to come in and and mess up that union um that god right. put together so we'll be going to going to prayer uh, for ahmad right. all right is there anything else we want to cover tonight before we go to god in prayer All right. So what I would ask, um, you know, guys, I often ask this um, while I pray in the natural. I just pray that you all join me by praying in the spirit um, as, you know, there's some things that um, can get we can break through when we pray in the spirit in the unknown tongue. So I just ask that you all join me in that and let's just go to God. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you tonight just thanking you so much again for the opportunity to lift your name on high. We give you all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. We worship you, we magnify you, and we lift you up, O oh God. Tonight, we stand in the need of prayer. We stand in the need of prayer tonight, O oh God. Father, um, you called Jerry home. You called him home last Monday, a week from today, to be with you, oh God. And this coming weekend, 
there'll be a celebration of life. Of the 70 plus years, Father, that you bless Jerry with. His friends, his family, his loved ones. They will all come together to celebrate his life. And Father, your servant, Tim, will have the high honor to speak. Father, I pray that you burden his heart with the desires to pray, that you burden his heart with what you want him to say, oh God. Father, let it be so clear to him, not just about the memories of, of Jerry, Father, which are vast and that could be recalled so quickly. But Father, what you want him to say that would lift you up and draw men to you through the reflection of Jerry's life. Let it tie in together so, so well that everyone who is under the sound of his voice knows there is a God in heaven and wants to live for that Savior as Jerry did. Father, we ask that you pour out your power and your spirit and your anointing upon Tim in the mighty name of Jesus we pray. Father, we we lift up Ahmad and his his wife, Mrs. Douglas, Father. Father, ten years ago, this man and this woman proclaimed love not just to one another, but came into covenant with you. And Father, they need you right now. In that covenant, Father, you are there in the midst of them because your word says, when two or more gather together in your name, there you are in the midst of them. So we know that you are in the midst of their marriage. Father, where they, whether they can feel you, whether they can sense you, you are there. And tonight, as a willing servant, Kevin, myself, Tim, we all stand in the gap as intercessors, and we go before your throne of grace and mercy, Father, asking that you restore anything and everything that is broken within their marriage, O oh God, that you return their passion for one another, for one another, that you heal any broken trust, O oh God that you reconcile their marriage just like you reconciled us from our sin, O oh God. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. 
We ask, O oh God, for you to do a miracle in that marriage and restore it through your power. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, we lift up Kevin, we lift up Tim, we lift up their entire family, O oh God. We just ask that you continue to do a mighty work in them, that you continue to burden their hearts with the desires to pray for their families, for their friends, for their loved ones, Father, and to continue to seek after you, O oh God, like never before. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen.